0: All right, it's great to be here, first time ever in Norwich, and uh, you know, it's very interesting to see how the Lord orchestrates your life and has things planned that he doesn't tell you about, and my wife and I have been on just some amazing journeys. Uh, We've been married a long, long time. Uh, Not 100 years, but it will be 49 years, January 1st. And yeah, we got married when we were two, so we're really not that old. (laughs) Yeah. So you are in Luke chapter two, correct? That is where we want to talk about Uh, how the Lord works in our life and in changes. And, you know, when you pastor for a long period of time, I was calculating it this morning, and I think I have done 37 Christmas messages. Um, And, I mean, there's only four chapters that you can go into, and, you know... What can you come up with um there were times we just did genesis or something because i just ran out of what to say but as i was praying about sharing with you this morning it was on my heart to really focus on the the changes that happened with joseph and mary all through those beginning months and then how everything kind of collapsed in their world, it seemed, and yet God was still in control in the collapse. They were in God's will in the midst of the collapse. And that's so much like what happens in our life when all of a sudden, all the support, all the plans, everything gets knocked down. And so um, we're just gonna touch on that you know when we come to church i know, for me anyway i want to hear god speak to my heart out of the text sometimes it might just be a random verse sometimes it's um, the the concept that's presented and it brings to mind something and you're just you're taking off on a little journey yourself just the lord speaking to your heart about what needs to be done I think the important part about coming together as a congregation like you have is is you wanna hear God speak to your heart. It's not just information. I mean, you can look up different books to get information on things, but inspiration where God just touches your heart and you walk out of here and you know that God has met with you and now it's the beginning of going deeper with those issues and my prayer this morning is that through the information we're going to be presenting that God would use that and speak to your hearts personally individually and also collectively because you know the Lord has a plan not just for you as an individual or you as a family but also for you as a congregation so let's start off with a word of prayer and let's see what happens all right let's pray father in heaven we're thankful so much for all that you have done for us we are asking for your ministry to us by the holy spirit this morning we thank you lord for the word of god we thank you how you have protected it over the millennia and now lord here in the 21st century as we open your word and covers this story that we've heard so often. May you breathe life into it, and may we hear your voice in the midst of all the voices that go on in the world. So Lord, speak to our hearts out of our text this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, when you look at the four gospels, you really find a very short account of all that happened With Joseph and Mary before they ended up in Jerusalem or or even before Jesus began his public ministry and you have these four Gospels you you look at Matthew here and it starts off with this um, situation where Joseph and Mary are there in this small village of Nazareth. Nazareth is a very small village at this time and so some of you grew up in a village And you know what it's like to live in a village. Everybody knows everything about everybody. There's no need for any newspaper because there's always those special few that are the newspaper. (laughs) I was told when we first moved to England, the villagers are not going to accept you unless you have a granny in the ground. And so I'm thinking a a granny in the ground, Um, but I'm not from here. So, and then I found out a year later that my grandmother's parents came from a town 15 miles away from Exeter. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so, you know, they were sheep farmers. And then his father, my great-great-grandfather came from Whittacomb on the Moor. So I've got, I've got this heritage that I, had, I knew nothing about. And I'm still trying to learn to speak British. (laughs) But you know, it's living in a village, you can't hide anything. And so consider Joseph and Mary and all that they went through and they're young. They're in their late teens. Now the Bible doesn't say exactly their age, but according to the, the way of engagements and and weddings and things in that day generally the, the marriages took place um, in the late teens or maybe early 20s at the latest and usually the parents arranged the marriage which I hated that idea until I had three sons and then I thought it was a pretty good idea <laughs> you know we got married at age 18 we just come to Christ Uh, six months before that and uh, God in his grace helped us in the midst of a decision that should have been put off for several years but God in his grace took it as it was and and people ask us well what's the key here what what, you know how did you how did you live so long and not kill each other and (laughs) And it was forgiveness and love. Forgiveness and love and don't bring up the past very often. (laughs) So here's Joseph and Mary. You know, it says there in Matthew's gospel uh, that Joseph took Mary to be his wife while living in Nazareth. And then you go to chapter 2 of Matthew and it says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. So Matthew doesn't even cover how they even got to Bethlehem. Because you see, what's on his heart by the Holy Spirit is to communicate to his his Jewish people how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Messiah, the King of Israel. And it was very clear from the synagogue, uh, um, the the teachings there, that he was to be born, a son of David was to be born in Bethlehem and so he just touches upon it and doesn't feel impressed by the holy spirit to go into all that detail then you come to the gospel of mark and mark just starts off with the with john the baptist you know and the ministry of jesus well you know mark come on you know let's find out about this these beginnings they said well that you know it was that wasn't on his heart because you see Mark's gospel is focused on Jesus not as the king but as the servant of all and it's more a, a, um, a gospel that's trying to reach uh, the Roman world and then you have Luke's gospel which uh, many Bible commentators believe uh, Luke got all of his information um, for his gospel during the time that Paul the Apostle was incarcerated in Caesarea for two years. And Luke was his traveling companion, went to uh, Jerusalem with Paul after his third missionary journey. And so Luke was there as a physician. He had this ability to make intricate records and to, to interview people. Where did Where did he get all of that specific about what happened with Mary and what happened with Elizabeth? I think it was from just the personal interviews. And he made accurate records and so you've got this detailed picture of all that happened there with uh mary and the connection with elizabeth and then coming back and then of course the gospel of john was written toward the end of the first century and john's burden was to show jesus as the son of god his deity his he was god incarnate whereas luke was the son of man And so how do you put all this together? Well, I just wanna take one little piece and talk about the dynamic of what it could have been like for Joseph and Mary living in Nazareth when all this went down. So let's take a look at this. It's really just seven verses, chapter two, verses one to seven. I'll read through it and then let's pick it apart. It came to pass in those days, well I mean, yeah, it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea We are told in chapter one of the gospel of luke that the holy spirit was the one who overshadowed god the holy spirit overshadowed mary and she became uh, and she conceived in her womb it was a private step of faith on her part to accept god's word and then immediately she was told by the angel gabriel to go to the hill country of Judea, to her relative, Elizabeth, um, who was now um, six months along. And so it it seems that she left immediately. Now Joseph and Mary had had been engaged because in those days, an engagement was as binding as marriage itself. And an engagement could only be broken by um, a right of divorce. And so um, Joseph knew nothing about this, so he, he doesn't know what's going on. All of, a, all of a sudden, Mary heads out and she's gone. And uh, you, you know, what, what's the explanation? We don't know, but the Bible doesn't say. But then she comes back and in chapter 1 verse 56 Mary remained with Elizabeth for 3 months and then returned to her house 3 months pregnant into a village called Nazareth 3 months along That's complicated when you live in a village Because all of a sudden, you know, people just think the worst first, don't they? Um, They don't give you the benefit of the doubt. Of course, you know, think about it. It's the only time in all all of history where anything like this took place. So what were they to think? Did this happen with Joseph? I mean, is this a, a child out of wedlock? I can't believe this, scandalous. And then, You know, did it happen while she was gone? What kind of lady, you know, what kind of young lady is this? And so the talk of the town must have been difficult, difficult to endure, knowing the truth, but nobody understanding. I think that's very possible in light of normal village life, especially back in these days. And you know... Wearing the long dress and and being in the dress of that time, you can hide it up to a point, but then you can't. And then you do have to go to the market. They had to endure scandal. Joseph and Mary had to endure scandal for the sake of the truth. That was part of fellowshipping in the sufferings of the Messiah. A lot of pressure. And then to think this is, this is such an amazing thing that has happened, you know, how are we going to raise this child? This very special child, how are we going to do it? Remember, they're young. They haven't taken like childbirth classes or things like that, you know. Let's go to a school and get some you know, bachelor's degree on how to raise the Messiah all that pressure i remember when we had our first child you know i, I this boy came out and he didn't have a manual i mean he, that, there was no help and so you know you 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 have this baby and you're counting all the fingers and the toes and and i'm um, 19 and a half years old and i'm looking at this child and i'm I'm thinking, um, how do I do this? Husbands are not the greatest comforters, you know, when the wife has, is going through childbirth. Um, I thought it was important to have natural childbirth because that's the way God made it. If she had had a gun, she would have shot me, and then she'd be out of prison by now, you know. So, but, but anyway, uh, it was difficult. She had back labor. It was how many hours? 20 some hours of back labor, no medicine. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, we live in days today where we can have people that become so upset with us and have jumped to conclusions and are judging us for something that happened that didn't happen at all, but they looked at the circumstances and they ran their own conclusion and then they have come against you. And you wanna do everything to clear your name, but you didn't do anything wrong. You were following the word of God, you were following the witness of the Holy Spirit to your heart on how you should deal with something, and you did it faithfully. And someone got upset and took the time to slander your name. I've talked to to people that have lost, they were written out of the will. They've lost their inheritance because they became Christians and decided To really be loyal to the Lord Jesus Christ and the parents absolutely wrote them out of the will and they're in my office and saying "Uh, what, what am I supposed to do and I said you know what the Lord knows he knows what's going on you can do this with his grace he's your inheritance and that's, you know, that one song we were saying, thou mine inheritance, thou, you know, mine forever. Now he's our real inheritance. We, we will go through times where people get so upset that they feel it's their right to be vengeful and to slander when nothing has happened. And you think, why is this happening to me? Well, it happened with Mary and Joseph, I'm sure. As believers, we can trust that our Father in heaven has it all sorted according to his plan and purpose. God didn't reveal to Joseph and Mary all the details of what was going to happen. He took them step by step. Every step of the way, they made a choice. Do I believe God or do I not believe God? Although they didn't have the information, for later months. How's this gonna work? So they just did what was natural, I'm sure. Okay, they're preparing their place for this new child. God didn't tell them about what was going to be happening in our text with this Roman decree. God sometimes hides things from us because he wants to take us step by step in our journey with him. Because it really is all about faith, isn't it? Without faith, it's impossible to please God, we are told in Romans chapter 11. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, first of all, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now some of you may be here this morning and you're just still seeking you're trying to put some answers together about this whole thing about Christianity and all and maybe you've had some bad experiences and you don't want to end up like that but God is true even though people fail God is true to his word but you have to take steps of faith you realize that faith includes a four-letter word called risk when you step out in faith, there's always a risk involved somewhere. And that's just, I mean, you can reason it out up to a point and then, and then you've got to take a step of faith. God will give you enough reason to make it a reasonable faith, but not so much reason that faith is unnecessary. Amen? There's always that last risk. is God in control of our life when it seems that everybody's against us when everybody comes against us does it mean it's the Holy Spirit here right now yeah just you know when everybody's against us does it mean that we're out of the will of God that's where you have to have your uh, clear conscience before God lining up with the Word of God And then just say, Lord, I submit myself to you. You are the one who takes care of my reputation. If we would take care of our character, God will take care of our reputation. Because he's more interested in character than he is about how we look to other people. He'll take care of that. God wants us to plan and and to think through things and to use our common sense. He's given us that. It's not unspiritual to to have common sense, but to trust in your own wisdom, to trust in your own plans, to trust even in your own perception of how things should be, is something that's gonna get us all into trouble. Because things change, don't they? Circumstances change. And just when you have it all sorted and it's going well, all of a sudden, someone throws a spanner into the works and it all comes crashing down. Is God in charge? Yes, He's in charge. You know, Jesus sent the disciples to cross the lake in the boat and a storm hit. Were they in the will of God when the storm hit? Yes. They were being obedient. Was their life in danger now in this storm? Absolutely. Seasoned fishermen, absolutely terrified because I'm sure they had lost fellow fishermen in the midst of those quick, sudden storms that come down from the north upon the Sea of Galilee. Were they in the will of God when they ended up in a storm? And the answer is absolutely yes. Some of you are in storms in your life right now. And you're wondering, what did I do wrong? I shouldn't have made that decision. I shouldn't have done that. Why did I make that choice? Or, you know, why didn't God tell me this was going to happen? Wait a minute. He takes this step by step. God is in charge still. Even when there's a storm. Even when your health goes bad. Two and a half months ago, I had a heart attack. And um, there was no reason I should have a heart attack. No one asked my permission. (laughs) I didn't have any risk factors, no family history. I'm not a drinker. I'm not a smoker. My cholesterol was fine. I wasn't excessively overweight. I didn't have diabetes. And to have your heart doctor sit on the end of your bed and, and tell you, we don't know why this happened. We're gonna call it the X factor. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm great, now we're doing sci-fi here and, and, you know, what? He says, we don't know what happened. But your left coronary artery was 100% blocked. So we had to put a stent in. And I'm thinking, really? I came in here because I had acid reflux. Where's some Gaviscon? Just send me home. Don't do this to me. <laughs> and you know, my wife was, was there um, as they're trying to wheel me on the gurney, you know, into the, into the theater. And, and then I had cardiac arrest. I didn't know it. I just kind of thought I was just going out. But uh, you know, the heart doctor said, you know, if you hadn't come in you could have been dead. Amen. Mm. So that's kind of a wake-up call. Mm. Is God in charge of our lives? He is. I'm here to tell you he is. I'm 20 pounds lighter, but I'm here to tell you he is. Amen. Not my will, but yours be done, is what the Lord Jesus said. Turn, if if you would, with me to Luke chapter 12. I want to cover this a bit because it really shows that God wants to take us step by step, even when things are difficult. Luke chapter 12, just a few chapters ahead, and I'm just going to read through verses 22 to 34. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And by the way, when we talk about discipleship, we're not talking about training for seminary. Discipleship is something that's every disciple's duty. It's it's not you know, it's all a level playing field. And so if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that's called being a disciple. And what he says is very, very important for you on your life level, no matter what, what you're doing. And so these words are said to his disciples, which includes us today. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, For they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than birds? And which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Now the word stature in the Greek is a word that actually means length of days. It doesn't refer to height. But the Greek word refers to length of days. So in other words, Jesus is saying you can't even add one hour to your life when it's your time to go. If you are then not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink or have an anxious mind, for all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, And all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail where no thief approaches nor moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. These are very important words. Jesus is not saying that it's wrong to make plans. And it's wrong to do things that are reasonable and right. But to trust in them or to have an anxious mind and to worry constantly if everything is all right. That's not what he's called us to. That's not how he's called us to live. We're to live in that peace of God and under the grace of God and under the faith that says the Lord is in control even when I'm not. So Mary and Joseph must have made the normal preparations for anticipating this unique and special birth until chapter 2, verse 1 suddenly the news came to the village a roman registry requirement at the worst possible time we have to understand at least a bit of what it was like to live under the roman rule it was oppressive it was uh, life was difficult every day you didn't know if you might be targeted by a Roman soldier and you could end up being uh, severely injured just because you didn't deal with things correctly. And so when a Roman uh, rule that comes in saying, okay, we're going to do this, this census, this registry of everyone, everyone was to go to uh, the origin of their family, it's the worst possible time. Matthew called Joseph a just man, one who had integrity of life and life, uh, life and heart. It says there in chapter two verse one, "And it came to pass. That phrase is an important phrase because I like to read it. It came to pass. Right? It showed up so that it will eventually pass and it came to pass now there are things you wake up tomorrow and you get the phone call and you got to remember it came to pass and it came to pass a surprise to mary and joseph but no surprise to god mary is probably in her ninth month everything is everybody's excited the baby is going to be coming the house is prepared they're all set and then this stupid government regulation comes down I'm so worse you know we're so fond of government regulations aren't we but guess what God was in the details I don't know about you, but a three, day, three to five day journey on the back of a donkey being nine months pregnant is not my idea of a, of a comfortable ride for, uh, for a woman. I'm sure Joseph didn't ride the donkey and make Mary walk, okay? Worst possible time, uncomfortable, dangerous, risky, risky, three to five day journey, having to go down to Bethlehem Where's the midwife when you need her? (laughs) You know, is the travel lodge going to have room when we get there, you know, down in Bethlehem, Bethlehem travel lodge. But they were in the midst of the will of God under uncomfortable circumstances. Joseph could have left Mary back in Nazareth and gone down to be registered because it would have been safe. But they both had to go. God was working in the midst of this edict. And Joseph, verse 4, also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife who was with child. So it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Wow. He submitted to the governmental authorities. Scripture really wasn't contradicted. So they submitted to the authorities. And the Bible tells us that as Christians, We are to submit to governmental authorities when it's not contradictory of the word of God. Even when it is contradictory to the word of God, we are to walk in wisdom and walk in love and walk in grace. And we can make an appeal before we do um, civil disobedience. But we're to give it some time. Maybe the Lord will work in the midst of it. Who knows? You know, there were seasons in the journey that my wife and I have had being in England where the immigration laws changed and it looked like we may have to leave. Everything got switched around a bit or maybe reinforced that wasn't enforced before. And you come to a point where you think, you know, Lord, I'm going to obey whatever they say, but I ask you to make a way. And he did. And we're still here, and we got our residency last March. (laughs) And, you know, some of my friends had to leave. God makes a way when there isn't a way but we have to be broken and we have to humble ourselves and we have to say, I will submit to whatever you want, Lord. You know, the, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God is continuously working behind the scenes of our life every day and every moment. There's a saying that I like, it goes like this, disappointments are his appointments. Disappointments are his appointments. That's like going in, taking your car in for a front end alignment. You're wondering why you're like, you know, why you're traveling all over the lane. And sometimes we have to be brought in and be realigned so that we can track straight because we're all over the road. When circumstances seem to fall apart from under us, when deep disappointments occur, it is just then that God's hand will become more and more evident. Think of this also. Every miracle that Jesus did was at a point of desperation for those that needed it. Well, we want miracles in our life, really. You understand what you're saying? Because every miracle was at a point of desperation and hopelessness and brokenness. And that's when the miracle occurred. I don't ask for that many miracles because I know what's gonna happen. But you know what, at the end of the day you're going, you do whatever you want to do, God. I signed up for this. I'm in this for eternity. You know, I owe you my life. You rescued me from hell. The small print, fellowship of sufferings. Okay, I'm in. Just be merciful. I like Proverbs chapter 16 because it gives us a few verses about really letting go of our life and trusting God with the outcome. Proverbs 16 verse one says, the preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. In other words, I make the preparation, but it's really all in God's hands. Verse three, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Verse nine, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And Then verse 33, the lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. When we were praying about moving over to England, I really was looking for the Lord to confirm that step through his word. And I began to get certain scriptures that spoke to my heart that, you know, could be interpreted like, yes, we're supposed to do this. And then I said, well, you know, you can read into anything, God. So, you know, you're gonna have to give me some more scripture. And after I had gotten two or three, then it's it's one of those times where the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart saying, you know, you just want confirmations because you don't want to make a choice. And you know, it's kind of one of those checkmate times. You know, you're playing chess and somebody goes checkmate, the game's over. And it was like checkmate. Well, I'm, I'm afraid. Uh, what if it's wrong? What if I'm just reading into things? And then the same, Witness deep in my heart, Bob, if you stay, I'll be with you. If you go, I'll be with you. It's your call. I thought, well, it would be kind of cool to move to England. <laughs> no. I don't you know. If you're, if you're going to be with me, let's, let's do this. I'm 59 years old. Been married a long time. Let's do this. Sometimes we're so afraid to make a choice because we're afraid to make a mistake, but in not choosing, we make a mistake. Does that make sense? And so we can't live our life in anxiety and being anxious over whether it's right or wrong, every little detail. We gotta trust God and that relationship we have with the Holy Spirit to make the right or to make the step of faith. And you know what? He already knows what we're going to choose. He already knows. So why doesn't he tell me? Because it's a step of faith. God used this egotistical Augustus Caesar to proclaim his decree to get Joseph and Mary down to Bethlehem in fulfillment of prophecy so Israel could recognize their coming Messiah. So what discomfort, what disappointment, what dashed expectation is happening in your life and my life right now? Could it be that God is using the circumstances to move us away from our plans into what he has for us in the future? We might be on a similar journey to Bethlehem in our life right now. We're forced to go directions we'd rather not go, to endure discomfort and uncertainty we'd rather not endure, and to head into very unknown life situations which cause feelings of anxiousness and and worry. And the Lord wants us just to chill out and be at peace and trust him and take a breath and say, as long as you're with me in the boat, let the storm hit, because it shall come to pass. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for how you order our lives. And we thank you, Lord, for knowing full well everything that's going on in our life. We are asking God that you would work in us individually and collectively to take us deeper with you, to take us farther with you, to help us know more of what you're like personally, intimately. And Father God, if there are those here today that have not yet taken that step to surrender their life to you through faith in Jesus, Give them the courage right now and the faith to follow through. As we continue to pray, if this is you this morning and you have this sense, it's, I've got to make a choice today, then what God is asking you to do is just to ask Him and to to say something like this to Him and say, God, I come to you this morning. And I want to surrender my life to you. There's so much I don't understand. But I know I have to get my life right with you. So forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I put my trust in Jesus, the Son of God, who died for me. And fill me now with the Holy Spirit of God. Wash me clean. Make me your child. A prayer, something like that. Not necessarily the exact words, but just pouring out your heart to God. He'll receive you right now. And Father, we pray for those that may have lifted up their heart to you that you'd send strong confirmation into their heart and life. Breathe on them, Lord. Cause them to be born again. And for the rest of us, Father, we acknowledge that you are with us. Help us in our steps of faith in our journey to heaven. You're preparing us for heaven. Thank you, Father, for not giving up on us. So Lord, we thank you for our time in the word. In Jesus' name. Amen.